Wow. Man. Annabella, that was amazing. In seminary, there's a fancy word for, just, for what just happened. We call it setting up the pastor to fail. Um, that's the second time Charles has done this to me. Uh, I think it was at Christmas, Annabella sang before I preached. And now on Easter, and the only thing people remembered was Annabella. And we, we should, we should. Thank you, Annabella. I'm so glad you're using your gifts for God. Amazing. Well, uh, happy Easter. Now, those of you visiting with us uh, today, my name is Shane. I do normally dress like a Catholic priest every day of the week. Uh, Now, I'm kind of a traditional guy, so there is this saying uh, in the church that's been around for years, and I can't help it. Uh, I have to say it to you, and I'm going to say Christ is risen, and I want you with enthusiasm to say he is risen indeed. Can we try that? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. All right, so here's the game. Anytime you hear me say for the rest of the morning, Christ is risen, can you, res- can you just respond that way? That would really help me out, fire me up. Christ is risen. He is risen. Yes, thank you for being a part of this joyous day. I really pray that you will be blessed this morning and that your, your day, your week, will be so filled with the love of God. And Easter's not just one day in the church, it's 50 days. And so for the next eight days, it's considered to be one long day. And I pray that you will celebrate in your own way with responsibility, of course. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from us the uh, resurrection story from Mark's gospel, chapter 16. Now, it's going to be on the screen behind me here. And I'm going to encourage you to stand as you are able for the reading of our gospel lesson today. Mark's gospel, chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And, of course, that's the body of Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. That's kind of an understatement, by the way, alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there's the place where they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And so they went out, and they fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, so... Um, it's Easter, and all, uh, all week long, I've had people kind of uh, ask me a, a very important question, and, and the question has been this. Hey, Shane, you realize that it's April Fool's Day on Sunday. What's your joke going to be? And then I heard this again and again, and this put all kinds of pressure on me. And I remember thinking, okay, <clears throat> maybe what I'll do is I'll say, uh, uh, hey, everybody, uh, they, they found the dead body of Jesus. Uh, it's all a hoax. Um, we can go home now. Uh, and that would be so dumb if I did that. You wouldn't laugh because you didn't laugh just now. And, and, and then, you know, you wouldn't believe it on top of that. So I got nothing for you. So what I'll do then is I'll just tell you the real news of this day. 
Uh, and that's what I'm here for, and the news of this day is no joke at all. I will say that I stand before you as a pastor of this church because of what happened on this day some 2,000 years ago. I am here because I truly believe with all of my being that Easter happened, that the disciples did not find a body in the tomb, that the man Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified in absolute shame and humiliation, declared in the moment of his crucifixion to be a phony. He was considered to be a charlatan. He was a failure of a Messiah on Friday, that today God has raised him bodily from the dead. I believe that that Jesus Christ now, who has been raised, that death could not contain him, death will never contain him, and that now he sits on the right hand of God the Father and rules as the Lord of history. I believe this, or I would not be here. You know, there were thousands of people that Rome crucified in the ancient world, thousands of people, and we don't know a single name of anybody who was crucified. And the whole point of crucifixion was to wipe you off the map. It was to remove your memory for history. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, and we know the name Jesus. And we know he's crucified, and yet he is the name that stands above all other names. And it is now my life's ambition. It is the call of my life. It is my ultimate desire, truly, that you know What so many here have come to know that because of Jesus' resurrection, there really is more to this life than we can see or imagine. That death really will not have the last word over us. That because Christ is risen, God truly has opened the gates of eternal life. For all who will stake their lives on the truth that is proclaimed in this day and the Lord of this day, my brothers and sisters, if you do not hear me say anything else for the rest of this sermon, because I know it's kind of hard to hold on for very long at times, if you don't hear anything else, I pray that you will hear this. Because Christ is risen, my brothers and sisters, Easter is the announcement that God really is for you, not against you. That Jesus Christ has put to death in himself whatever sins you have ever committed. And he has left your sins behind in the same tomb that he left behind. And that if you will pledge your loyalty to follow this risen Savior, I promise you, you will face your future. You can face any ending of your life, including your death, with the absolute assurance that God will meet you there with life. I believe Easter is true. Christ is risen. risen Yes. Hear that. Hear that. Now, let's get to the story. Mark says the women came to the tomb that morning. And the question they asked themselves was, who will roll away the stone for us? The women knew an ending when they saw one. Nobody expected resurrection to happen. Any more than you and I, when we bury someone that we've loved. Any more than you and I expect someone to come back to life after we have buried them. They didn't expect this at all. On Friday, it was over. It truly was over. The movement 
that the disciples hoped that Jesus would initiate. It was curtains. It was finished. The end period. You know, i got to tell you, there is a myth. It's been around for a long, long time. A lot of people believe this, and the news media loves to, to say this every year. And here's the myth. The myth is that Easter, the whole story of Jesus' resurrection, all it was, it was a collaborative invention fabricated by the disciples to help them cope with the finality of death and to help us cope with the finality of death that it was just made up by the disciples. Which, in my opinion, is proof positive that if anybody believes that the disciples made this up, that shows me you've obviously never read the Gospels. Because if you read the Gospels, you know that there's one thing on which all the four Gospels agree, other than that Easter is true. They all agree on one other thing, is that all the disciples were complete numbskulls. They were total buffoons. They could not work their way out of a paper bag. That's how they're all presented. And people expect us to believe that all these uncredentialed, uneducated fishermen could come up with a story for which they ended up dying and which has changed the course of human history for the last 2,000 years. They expect us to believe they made this up. Okay, yeah, you can believe that if you want to. Uh Uh-uh. So when the women came to the tomb and said, who will roll away the stone for us? That was just a a, a longhand way of saying, who's going to help us prepare for the funeral? It's over. But... What those women underestimated, what you and I underestimate, is a God who knows how to work on the other side of that stone, creating new possibilities for life. That's what they underestimated. Of course, that's really the whole story of the Bible. I can give you the whole summary of the Bible right now. The whole summary of the Bible, Bible is we, the people of God, all we see is ending. All we see is the finish line. The giant stones. Whereas God sees new beginnings and new possibilities. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 opens up in the beginning. Nothing existed but chaos. There was nothing. And then God speaks a word over his creation And new life emerged out of nothing. Moses leads the people of Israel out of Egypt. They're fleeing Pharaoh's armies. They're running. They come to the edge of the waters of the Red Sea. And then the people tell Moses, well, that was fun while it lasted. It's over now. Thank you. And then in that moment, God moves across that water and parts the waters of the Red Sea and the Israelites cross through it as if on dry land. And in that moment, God made a way where nobody else could see a way turning that dead end into a new beginning. He does this all the time. Think about the New Testament. Jesus, he does this over and over again. John chapter 2, Jesus attends a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Then all of a sudden, the wedding attendant announcements, we've run out of wine. Everybody panics. Everybody thinks the wedding is over. They start packing up the food at the buffet line. The DJ plays last dance. The pastor who officiated the wedding approaches the family, shakes their hand, and asks for the honorarium. It was over. And then Jesus Christ shows up and makes about 300 gallons of wine. He wasn't a Methodist pastor. Makes about 300 gallons of wine 
And the party that everybody thought was over just got started. Oh, he saved the best for last. I mean, throughout the Bible. The people of God see ending, finish line, scarcity, loss, it's over. While God is at work on the other side of what we think are giant stones and giant endings creating new life, new possibilities, new alternatives, new paths that open up. Now, let me be a, a kind of a pastor right here, right now. I was thinking about you right now in this moment. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you this morning can relate to those women. Maybe you've come here today amid all the celebration, Annabella's wonderful solo, I mean all the rejoicing and what you're coming in thinking about are the giant stones in your life that you think are blocking your way. I mean, whatever that might be, you're just here and and you just see, you're just thinking on what you think is going to be kind of an ending in your life. And I don't know what that ending could be. What, What is your stone that you might be thinking of? It could be your job. It could be your marriage. Your children. I don't know. I mean, whatever it is that you think right now, it's just going to be an ending. And you can't see beyond it. And what you think is on the other side of what you think is an ending is just nothing but darkness. It's a nothing. It is, it is a future that is closed off. If that's you this morning, I want to tell you that the good news of Easter is that God really does know how to work on the other side of whatever it is you think is going to be your finish and your end, creating a new possibility for life. Now, I don't know what that future is going to be. I don't. The women certainly didn't in the story. They actually came to Easter in tears. Maybe you're coming to Easter in tears yourself, not knowing. But what I can tell you is that because of Jesus' resurrection, the story of your life as it was for Jesus' life, it's not going to be over. There is going to be a new future. There is going to be another alternative, a possibility that you cannot imagine and that you cannot see. And I I hope that whoever you are, that you're hearing good news in that. It is not over because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Um, I was thinking about this word, resurrection. Um, The word resurrection comes from a Greek word called anastasis. Anastasis, aren't you glad you came to church on Easter to learn another Greek word by the pastor? Doesn't that drive you crazy? But I want to, uh, I want to, I want to do a little exercise with you because I think this is kind of fun. So here's the, here, I'm right here in the middle. All right, so, so the word resurrection comes from anastasis. Now, if you break that word into two, Anna and stasis, this is interesting. The word Anna means up, up. All right, so starting here, looking at these two, I want to, on the count of two, I want you to shout just up. Okay, you ready? One, two. All right. So the word Anna means one, two. All right. The word stasis, right here and going over here. The word stasis means rising. So on the count of two, I want you, this two groups here, to say rising. One, two. All right. Do this with me. Count of two. You say your word. You say your word. One, two. One, two. One, two. One, two. 
put those two together, what do you have? Uh, uprising. Woo! Now, those of you who know me, you know I'm going to run with this one. Did you, do you hear what that word means? Easter means a what? A up. It means an uprising. Easter is God's act of resistance against the forces of power and powers of death and chaos in our world. It's an uprising. What happened today was God's uprising against fear. It was God's uprising against despair. It was God's uprising against hopelessness and meaninglessness and evil and greed and anxiety and oppression and injustice and suffering and pain. Easter is an uprising. Do you hear that? This is God's revolution. This is God's uprising. And, and that God rose, raised Jesus from the dead. This is God's definitive act demonstrating that God really is a God of life and salvation who does not use death and tragedy and pain to work out his purposes in the world, who does not send natural disasters to teach humanity a lesson or gunmen to kill, who does not delight in condemnation who does not use coercive, violent power to work his will or to fulfill his plan. Easter is God's announcement that I am a God of life. It is an uprising against that kind of coercive, violent God. Actually, that's Pontius Pilate's God. That's the kind of God Pontius Pilate on Friday believed in. The imperial gods are always the gods of violence, disorder, chaos, the gods that the Roman Empire called upon to keep the powerful in power. But Easter is God's revolution. It is God's uprising against that kind of belief about who God is. Easter is God's no. It is God's no to death. No to hopelessness. No to chaos. No to despair. And Easter today is God's yes to creation. Yes to human flourishing, your flourishing. Yes to justice. Yes to love. Yes to forgiveness. Yes to all the things that make for good in this world. It is God's yes to the possibilities of new life for you and us in this world. In this world. And, and not just in the world to come. Several of you have been reading a book uh, through Lent uh, written by a, a retired Methodist pastor. His name's Jim Harnish. It was called Easter Earthquake. And I'm going to quote. There's one thing that he said that I think was great. And for those of you who read it, you, you're going to remember this. He says, I want you to notice something about what the angels said to the women. Notice that the angels did not say to the women, hey, uh, Jesus, he's not here. He's gone to heaven. And there you will meet him when you die. No, they didn't say that at all. The angel said to the women, hey, this Jesus, he's not here. He's on the loose out there, and you will meet him in Galilee. Like Galilee? Wait, what's in Galilee? You ever been to Galilee? 
It's kind of a sleepy, uh, remote place. Not a lot of action in Galilee. I mean, if I were Jesus' spiritual advisor, I would say, hey, Jesus, uh, you've got to go strut and sashay down through Jerusalem. Uh, let everybody see you in all your resurrected glory. But instead, the angel said to the disciples, you're going to meet him in Galilee. And the question is, like, why? Why Galilee? Well, Galilee was uh, the place where the disciples of Jesus called home. It was where they lived. It was where they raised their families. It was where they raised their children. It was where they worked for many years, earning a living. It was the, their place where they, they had their friendships. It was the place of their hardships. So when the Gospels say that Jesus will meet you in Galilee, what, what that means is that Jesus is going to meet you where you live, where you move, the daily grind. Now think about that. The angels are announcing that, that God's resurrection, that the new possibilities of eternal life are going to happen in the neighborhood, in your community, where you work, where you learn, wherever you have to go through the daily grind. That's where Jesus is going to be. Now, I know that I've, I've told some parents who've come to me in my years of ministry, and they've kind of worried about their children, and, and they've said to me things like, uh, hey, uh, you got to help me rope my kids back into church. They, they don't go to church anymore. And I, and I get that. Um, but what that kind of implies is that we here at the church have somehow locked Jesus into the sacristy or the sound booth and kind of bolted him down here and leashed him to the pews here. You know, that, that as if the only place you're going to find Jesus is right here in the church. Now, don't take that as you don't need to come to church. <laughs> but what I have told these parents before uh, I, I do them the pastoral favor of saying, hey, um, I used to be one of those kids. I uh, didn't go to church for years. You wouldn't catch me dead uh, in church. But the resurrected Christ found me in the parking lot of a Chili's grilling bar, grabbed me by the collar, and dragged me into this mess. So there's hope for your 20-something, okay? It wouldn't surprise me if we got some people here right now. And you, you've come to church this morning, and this is not a thing for you, and because you realize two things, either uh, you're going to have to live with guilt of, of disappointing your mom and dad if you didn't come, or maybe you wouldn't get any lunch uh, today if you didn't come. <laughs> and you think today, well, I fulfilled my quota, uh, I've dealt with Jesus here at the church, I'll be back next year. Well, take it from me, as someone who got grabbed by Jesus out there, you've been warned Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, knows where your Galilee is, and he knows how to find you, just like he found me. Oh, my brothers and sisters, there is an uprising happening among us. Oh, where you and I, we only see death, we only see nothing, we only see the end, we only see loss, we only see scarcity, we only see, oh, it's over, it's over, the giant stones of our lives. There is a risen Savior on the prowl, working behind what you think is an ending, creating new possibilities, new alternatives, new life for you. And trust me, He knows where to find you. And to make you part of the revolution. Christ is risen. Jesus is risen.
Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, we give you thanks that you do know where to find us. You are going to meet us in our Galilee. You come to bring new life, and I pray that wherever anybody here sees an ending, a giant stone, I pray that as they approach that time that they will see that that stone has been rolled away, that you have brought new life. Their story shall not end. And I pray that these, your people hearing me today, within the sound of my voice, will say today, I want to be a part of the uprising. I want to be a part of God's revolution for life in the world. To say no to death, no to fear, no to darkness. And yes to light, yes to love, and yes to life. It's in your son's risen and holy name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. If this was your first week visiting Harrison, a special thanks to you. If you're looking for more information about services, classes, or becoming a member, visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.